are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. And it's an extension of the, the meaning and work research I've been doing for at least the last 15 years that I've loved so much. It's also a compliment to the work that I get to do at Insignium, which is a management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first, let me give a quick shout out and thanks to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search they can find work close to home. Good partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation with me is Marla Lackey, who is a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department of a hospital in San Antonio, and who is just beginning her work journey as a writer. We'll be talking about her special connection she enjoyed with her mother, how she helped her mother die from cancer, and what she's learned through her experience that she's writing into a book to pass on to others in the grieving process. She joins us today from San Antonio, Texas. Marla, thanks so much for being with me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Hi, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I know we've already had a lot of interaction on social media about this show. And I know you probably got some people who already know you and love you and who you've already helped who are in the listening audience today. So let me let me say hello and thank you to them for joining us. I think, Marla, that this show um, is gravitating and, and attracting people who have had similar experiences as you have had, and they really are looking to hear what it is you have to say. So I've got a lot I want to I extract from you in the next hour. So okay. here we go. Already? All right. Okay. So the first part of this conversation, I want to start with your connection to your mom. I know that for me, when I've talked with other people who've lost other people, well, they do want to talk about the person that they've lost, not not talk about it. It's something they want to still cherish. And so if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family, where you grew up, kind of give us a base. Okay. Well, I grew up, as you said, in San Antonio, Texas, on the south side. And it was a very close-knit uh, community that I uh, grew up in. And the cool thing about it is, is that we lived in a neighborhood where my mom's side of the family was in the same vicinity. So, like, we're talking a few houses down, a few streets over. So there was always family involved. And so that added a really special touch to my childhood because, you know, we shared our birthdays and summers and just a lot of celebrating just our lives as, as, as family members. And so it was very, very special. So I'm very grateful for that um, part of my childhood. Mm. Sounds yeah. really lovely, really, really warm and intimate. I, I've got the vision. I could see it. I could yeah. see the children frolicking in the street and yeah. riding bicycles together and eating popsicles it, together, all that sleepovers stuff. Sleepovers and yeah, yeah, sleepovers, all kinds of stuff, yes. And that was yeah. all of my mom's side, and my mom's doing a lot of it, you know, along with her sisters and, and cousins. We all just chimed in really, very, very easily. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, along those lines, I want to give you an opportunity to let us, if you, if you, if you, if you will, let us get to know your mom a little bit. Share some of the memories you have with about her, and maybe some of the things that she taught you. Okay. Well, the first thing, if, I mean, it all depends on what decade of my life you're talking about of what my mom taught me because she's taught me so much. 
But if, you know, if I think about it, the very, very, very first thing I can remember her teaching me about is really like how to pray. And I was little, of course, so she's just teaching me the basics. You know, we grew up Catholic. So it was kneel down, sign of the cross, our fathers, Hail Marys, and, and, you know, just the basics. And as I grew and my mother grew in faith, a uh, situation started happening in our family, you know, where our neighbors were passing away. The, the, I never forget the person that lived behind us had passed away. The, it was a teenage boy. And my mom was like, we need to pray for that family. Let's pray. And so we started you know, not just praying for ourselves, but pr- praying for other people. And so I watched that, and I and our prayer life evolved. And I watched my mom, um, just not just the basic prayers anymore. It was the relationship with God, and and uh, just connecting with. Oh, it's raining today. Thank you, God, for the rain. Or don't forget to thank God for for this and that. It, it's that kind of connection that I remember my mom, you know, instilling in me at a very very early age was um, the power of prayer, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. She sounds like an incredibly warm and positive and ever-loving person. Yes, and very committed. She was committed to our family. She is, you know, me and my brother and sister, oh my gosh, she just went to all of our games and just was always our cheerleader and always supported us. And the homeroom mom, the PTA mom, and, you know, the things that were really cool in the elementary school until she got to the middle school part. When I'd see her in the school, I'd run the other way. But she was always that type of person, just very involved in our lives. And um, she just treasured everything we did. And she put her whole heart and soul into into being a mother. And um, it was, I mean, I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, how did she do it, you know? But she did, and she did it very, very gracefully. Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about there, Marla, is are you an only child or do you have siblings? I have an older brother, Mark, and an older sister, Monica. Yes, I'm. Mm-hmm. there's just three of us in the family. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd be curious, do they, do they experience her the same way you do or is it the same exact kind of connection or well, is it different? Well, I think every, each one of us have our own connection to my mother. Of course, my brother was the first boy. My sister was the first girl. You know, I was the baby. So each one of us had a very specific special place in her heart. I know that for a fact. And I think for me, just being the baby of the family uh, or baby for her, um, I hung out with her a little bit longer, you know, um, it was part of her early motherhood, you know. And so I was labeled a mama's girl very early on, and I enjoyed that title. And uh, it turned into a title that it changed into a different title with my mom and, uh, and I because my my brother and sister and my dad would always make fun of me that I was always hanging around my mom no matter what. If she would leave the house, I'd go with her. If she'd go to the bathroom when, when, when um, I was little, I'd hang out at, by the bathroom door. And they called me Tagalong Buzzard, T-A-B, Tagalong Buzzard, because I was always <laughs> around my mother. And so I just had that very special connection with her, even at a very, very young age. So, and, and it never ended, you know, the, um, the bond that we shared and just that I think I, I would consider her my soulmate, my really first soulmate that I have ever experienced, really. Mm. Very in tune with her. Well, I, of course, love that. I want to give you one example of my connection to my own daughter so as to encourage you to share something specific about that connection with your mother. So I really want our listening audience to get into the spirit of this conversation of just how special that bond was. So very quickly, my, I, I currently have a 13-year-old daughter, and when she was, mm-hmm. gosh, a toddler's age, like two or so, 
and I began doing some work in the community, would leave the house. And I worked from home, obviously, as well. But I, when, I le- when I would leave to go to community service meetings, et cetera, she would get really, really upset and be, be missing me. There was a lot of separation anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and so to, to quell her, my, my, her dad would actually say, well, I'll tell you what, let's go watch for mama. We'll watch for her. And she would immediately then relax. And so literally the moment I left they would go out into the, the front room where they could have a vision of the driveway and sit in these two chairs, and they would literally sit and watch and wait for me to come home. Aww. So obviously, yeah, at some point, she would fall asleep in that position. And um, and then, of course, um, I would come home from the evening, and she, of course, my, my, my husband at the time would have already gone off and done something else, and I would then mm-hmm. pick her up and put her to bed. But it was that wonderful connection that we had where she – for her, that's how she maintained her connection to me, even though I wasn't there. Yes. So yes. having said that, I'd like to hear a little bit about your connection with your mom. What, what kinds of specific experiences did you have? Well, well, same thing. I was, I was like your daughter. I, you know, when she'd have to go out of town for a, for a trip or, or something, I would just get so anxious, you know, and uh, for any kind of PTA meetings she had. And, and she would uh, Send me little notes or keep little notes in my in my lunchbox or underneath my pillow or buy me an outfit or anything to stay connected, you know, uh, with me on that. And so that was just one of the things she just never never made me feel like I was a burden. Like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. Gosh, get away, you leech. You know, she was just very very understanding of it. You know, and I think she just liked it. I just there was this I. I know what I want to say is that in the, when I was younger, little, I always wanted to be around her. And then we had those moments in time when I was a teenager and early adulthood that I didn't, I didn't feel the same way. You know, I wanted to distance myself from her. But it always seemed like we'd go right back, circle right back into that connection again where we would, you know, talk all the time or finish each other's sentences and just enjoy each other's company, you know. And so that's where it ended up. It always ended up circling back. Even even during the times that we didn't get along at times, but for the most part we did. You know, it was just uh, very very consistent for our love for each other. Very consistent. And was that true too when you were an adult? Yes, except for, well well it depends. When I first became a mother, I thought I knew it all. You know, um, <laughs> and she's like, wait a minute. You know, I did pretty good. You know, I I, I put you on your tummy whenever you uh, slept in the crib. You were fine. You know, things like that. All the things that she would try to teach me or tell me uh, as I was trying to raise my kids. In the beginning, I was a little bit on the on the touchy side, and so it just took a little while for me to chill out and just realize, you know what, my mom does know what she's talking about, and she's talking out of love. And so, you know, I grew up a little bit, and I really learned to appreciate her a lot more. I, I think it just it had to take time and maturity for me to to get it, you know. And so mm-hmm. that my love for her magnified even more when I became more mature because mm-hmm. I realized how much she did do for me and how much she did love me. Mm-hmm. You know? It's funny how so. things go like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Oh. Now, how old were you when she passed on? I, goodness gracious, that was six years ago. I was 41 years old. Okay. All right. And when, and, and when she passed away, I, I went from 41 to a, to a five-year-old, you know, I mean, I just, you know, totally regressed into a little girl all over again. You know, that, that feeling of where's my mommy, you know, when she passed. It was pretty intense. Pretty intense. Tell us a little, I, didn't, I didn't expect you to say that. That's really, really, really interesting. Will you say more about that? Because I think our listeners that are probably hanging on the line, having gone through something similar, can completely relate. So help us understand what that was like. 
Well, I, I, I give an example. I gave a, uh, an example one time on Facebook is that I got lost in a store one time, uh, a grocery store near our house, and uh, I thought she'd left the, the store. And I went out with merchandise in my hand. I went out of the store to see if she left. And the, the security guard came, no, no, you, you know, you can't leave, little girl. You, you know, they thought I was shoplifting. And I started crying. I said, I, I can't find my mommy. I, I want my mom. And so they called over the head, you know, intercom. We have a little lost girl. And so my mom comes coming up, and she, she says, where'd you go? And I said, where'd you go? And, you know, I was little. I was probably about less than five, maybe around that age. And I'm crying, and I'm stuttering, and I'm all over the map. And she says, you know, she grabbed my arms, and she looked down at me, and she goes, I would never leave you. Do you hear me? Don't you ever think that. I would never leave you. And so I always I, I took that promise up until the day she passed. And then when she passed, I thought, where'd she go? You know, oh, my gosh, I miss my mommy. I became that little lost girl. I wanted to go find her again. Even though I knew she had gone to heaven, I still was going to search for her because I didn't know what life could be like without her. And then there was a voice overhead in my, in my mind, which I knew it was God, that said, you know, Marla, little girl, Marla, you know, I'm with you. You don't have to worry about your mom. She is with you as well. You don't have to search for her anymore because I'm with you and she's with you. So no longer search for her. She's okay. And so that little girl became back into an adult again. You know, I just had to have that little reassurance because it was so easy for me to regress back and get into that fetal position of I miss my mommy, you know. And, uh, you know, I still had periods of that, but I didn't last very long in them because of that reassurance, that little voice I heard from God. So Mm. that was a turning point for me. And that was after she passed that you experienced that, not before? No, it was right after. I mean, like, okay. I would say within a few hours after, I just wanted to run and, and, and curl up and cry like a little girl. And I felt like a little girl. Like I said, it was right after she passed. Mm. You know, it was... Well, I want to understand, um, I know you said she died of cancer. What kind of cancer did she have? She had uh, breast cancer. She got it in 2006. And um, later on, uh, gosh, about Four years later, or three years later, it had spread to her brain. She was in remission, and then she started becoming symptomatic, and we found out she had a brain tumor. And um, she kind of went downhill from there. But she didn't die with cancer in her. She had passed away with, um, from dementia. Her white matter in her brain had disintegrated from the whole brain radiation treatment she had gotten. So, you know, my mourning process with her started when she had dementia symptoms, you know, because that was no longer my mother, you know, and she lived with us for the last um, year, and so I watched her decline in that way. But, uh, yeah, it was breast cancer, and, and the thing about that was is that my mother was really good at put, burying her head in the sand when it came to her health because she was very kind of phobic with doctors, and her mom and her two sisters were both treated and, 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 and were survivors of breast cancer and ran in the family. And I knew, and she had told me this many times, that she always felt, When's my next turn? Is it going to happen to me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so she would purposely not go get mammograms because she felt it was going to be her turn next. And uh, took the act of Congress to finally get her to get a mammogram, but she finally did. And it was always clear, but then the last, uh, well, the two years after she started getting her mammograms is when they found the cancer. So the things that she was most afraid of happened. But what, what was cool about it is that she thought she was going to do horrible with with the disease. I can't do it. There's no way. You know, I'm not as strong as my sisters and my mother. Well, when she had the cancer, 
that's when she changed her whole way of thinking of and praying with God because she always prayed out of fear. You know, oh, God, I don't want this to happen. Oh, God, please help us. Oh, oh, oh. fear, 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 fear. Her prayers were always fear-based. Not all of them, but a majority of them. But when she, became, when she had cancer, her prayer life changed from that of fear to surrender. And when she surrendered, that's when she blossomed. And that's when she, you know, just went through her cancer journey so beautifully and so inspirational. She didn't, she didn't miss a beat. She continued to, you know, be a, a Mimi to, our, to her grandkids and to a mom to us and a friend and family. She continued to go to church. She continued to do all the things that she normally did. And she, you know, I know she surprised herself, you know, and we were all in, um, in awe of her. But it, it had to take cancer for her to change her belief in, in, in how God was going to help her. So, in a way, cancer did, you know, I say it wasn't the best thing for her, but it definitely changed the way she um, had her relationship with God, which then again changed my, my way, too, because I right. watched her. Well, you're reminding me, and we're about to go on a quick break here, but you're reminding me, Marla, when my dear grandmother passed away 18 years ago, she died of cancer as well, and then a stroke. And before she died, though, she she would say, you know, it's not so bad having cancer. When I go to the hospital, I meet the nicest people. (laughs) That that was her take on things. I meet the nicest people. So here we are. Right. I mean, she was like some some similar things. So it's time for our first break already. Marla, time flies so fast. Yes. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Marla Lackey, who has been trained and working as a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department of a hospital in San Antonio, and is now working to develop her writing offerings to help others in the grieving process. We've been talking a bit about the, the dear person that she was so connected to who she lost, her mother, and what she meant to her and some of the things she's learned along the way. After the break, we're going to get into what it was like for her to care for her own mother as she passed on and then some of the work that she's doing in her writing. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. If you're just joining us, my guest is Marla Lackey, who has been trained and working as a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department of a hospital in San Antonio. She is a contributing author to Heart, Mind, Wisdom, Inspirational Anthology, Volume Number 4, and is currently working on writing a book and a blog titled Faith and a Tube of Lipstick. She joins us today from San Antonio, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking about her connection to her mother and what she meant to her and actually her cancer. For this next segment, Marla, I really want to get into that transitional phase of what it was like for you to become the caregiver to someone who had always taken such good care of you. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Well, the first word I want to say about that is it was an honor, complete honor mm-hmm. to take care mm-hmm. of her. Um, effortless. That's another word mm-hmm. I can I can share with you because I watched I watched her care for her parents and my grandpa my grandfather and that's all I knew I, I knew that when it when the parents are or anybody's hurting especially your parents or you know are sick you take care of them you do what you can and so for me to take care of her uh, was a privilege because she did that for me. You know, if I, you know, all my life, you know, I interrupted, you know, many times of her life when I got sick or, you know, or she couldn't go to work or, you know, life stood still for her for a while because of me. And so I didn't mind doing that for her at all. It was, it was, like I said, a a privilege. And how long did you take care of her? What was the period? Well, um, it depends. The, that, like, when I say take care of her in the beginning, oh, it was like taking her to, to the doctor and, you know, things okay. like that. And, and, you know, little staying with her during her chemo treatments. But when I say really taking care of her, the, the big stuff, that was, that was the end. I would say within that maybe six months or so. And then, of course, you know, the weeks leading up to her passing were even more intense. So I would say around the six-month mark on. You know, it was quite different, you know, where you had to keep eyes on her more often. And, you know, she was throwing up often. You know, I had to go and, you know, um, you know, help her just like she did with me. You know, when I would throw up, she, she would, you know, rub my back and put my hair away from my face. And <laughs> I did the same thing. You know, I'd be right there with her, you know, doing the same thing. You know, she'd have her episodes where she got more sick than others. And, and that's what I did, you know, the physical hands-on, a lot of that. And the emotional, too. But... You know, I was, a, I, was a, I was a little sponge. I mean, whatever she felt, it seemed like, I mean, when she had a headache, it seemed like I had a headache. If, if she didn't have a good morning, I didn't have a good morning. It was very hard for me to uh, disconnect because we were so close, you know, to, you know, separate myself and, and uh, not let it get to me. But it got better. It got better as um, I got used to that, you know, uh, with being able to set some emotional boundaries so I wouldn't get like a wet noodle around, you know, the, or around the people that I had to take care of, like, like my four kids and my husband and my work and balancing that. So it took some adjustment, but, you know, God, God helped us out through that. He gave us the strength to, to get through it, and he did beautifully with that. Uh, you're reminding me also, Marla, of, I guess it's been four years now, that um, my dear next-door neighbor lost his partner to, to colon cancer, and there, the last several months certainly 
yielded some amazing conversations and dialogue amongst all of us who were connected to him. So I'm curious if you can remember any particular conversations that you had with your mother that were especially poignant for you or meaningful to you during that phase when you knew she was going to move on. Mm. Well, unfortunately, she did not really know she was going to move on or she couldn't verbalize it as well because she had the dementia. So um, we didn't have that kind of conversation, you know, oh, I'm going, okay, mom, just, you know, we didn't have that, uh, but we shared some, some spiritual things, you know, uh, one of the things I do have to share is that as she was passing away, um, I was at her bedside, and I would just talk to her and, and, and tell her all the things that I was so grateful for, you know, uh, went down a litany of thank yous from the time when she carried me when I was eight pounder inside her and I heard her back to the time, you know, where she was carrying my own children up and down the stairs and taking care of them overnight and things like that. So I went down all the list of thank yous while she was passing away and I'd whisper them in her ear and stroke her and thank you, mom, thank you for this and sing her the lullabies and the things that she sang to me. And one of the most profound moments um, that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cry about this. I promise I'm not going to cry. One of the it's, profound it's okay moments, if you do. It's okay. Thanks. The, <laughs> one of the big moments was right before she passed. She hadn't spoke or talked or opened her eyes to anything, anyone. And I was singing You Are My Sunshine. That was the song she sang with me. And the, the, the hand that she would pat me with. You know, when I'd sit on her lap and she'd pat me with her right hand and she would go with the rhythm, you are my sunshine, pat my only sunshine, pat. She would do that. So I was singing that to her and I was holding her hand and all of a sudden her right hand started moving towards the hand that I was holding her other hand with. So as I was singing it, that same right hand that patted me on my thigh all those years held and, or, or just came and just went straight down on the hand that was resting on her abdomen with, with her other hand. And that was our last communication, our last time that we had a connection. She heard me. She heard me. And I remember telling the hospice nurse, oh, my gosh, my, my mom just did this. Oh, my gosh, go get my sister, please. Hurry. I wanted them to take a picture of our hands because that was the last time that we had that connection. So my sister came and took a picture of our hands, and, and that was my mom's nonverbal way of communicating with me. And I, I treasure that moment like no other. I mean, just... It was magical, it was spiritual, it was divine, you know, moment in time. And so, you know what the hospice nurse told me? She says, you know, you need to keep talking to your mom. Every mother knows their child's voice. Don't ever stop talking. The the hearing's the last to go. And so that's what we we did. We talked to her, I talked to her and sang to her and... And, it, and it, you know what it reminded me of, Elise? It reminded me of, you know, when, um, when Jesus is a shepherd and he says, you know, he knows, he knows the lost sheep, he knows them by name, you know. And that's how, like a mother, I mean, does the same thing. She knows the voice of your child, of the child, she, you know, loves you so much that they know your voice. And so it was a very spiritual moment at that time. So very, very cool. Oh. I love that you shared that, Marla, and it did make me cry. So <clears throat> I've recovered myself since you I, finished on there, but I, it did make me cry. Oh, mm. sorry. It was, sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's wonderful. Okay, but it, it also reminds me, too, just on the other end of that experience about, you know, the connection between mothers and, and children is that when I carried my daughter, I always I always talked with her when she was in my womb. And, and I mean, nonstop, my, my then-husband at the time traveled all the time, so it was just her and I, and I talked to her all the time. And so the moment after she was born and they cleaned her up and were going to bring her over to me, I called her from across the room and said, Gabby, come here. And she whipped her little head around Marla. She totally knew my voice, and it completely melted me. 
that kind of reminds me of what you were saying there. It just melted me. Mm, mm, yes. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Ugh. Well, as you were caring for your mom, I'm, I'm just curious if this at all activated in you. I mean, you're trained as a nurse. Or you're a registered nurse. And I just wonder if any of that training or experience came in handy or if you called on it, if, it, if you were aware of it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It was easy to, you know, be in the doctor's offices with her and uh, translate and teach and dissect the things that, you know, the doctors and the medical staff would help my mom and dad with. And, of course, knowing the things about anatomy, physiology, and things like that. But sometimes knowing too much wasn't good because then I'd start speaking myself out, you know, by the scenarios I learned in nursing school and, and everything. But it was, uh, it was definitely played a huge, uh, huge part in, in me caring for, for them in that sense because it was easier. It was, it's a lot easier to, and also to be their advocate because if they didn't understand something, I could, you know, bounce it off the doctors easy, easier because you just have to, you know, be assertive and, and talk with them and ask them questions. And sometimes my parents did not know how to do that. You know, that generation just didn't challenge a doctor. It's whatever the doctor says, the doctors are right. You know, it's okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. Let, let, let's ask them this. Let's ask them that. Well, I don't want to bother the doctor. No, Mom, it's okay to bother the doctor. They're there to take care of you. So, yes, it was good. I didn't mind, I didn't mind at all being that middleman, you know. And as a nurse, you're always trying to troubleshoot. We're always trying to take care of them. We're always trying to, you know, make things better. And so that's what I did. That's what I did with, with, with her, you know, so... Yeah. Wow. Well, I was wondering about that. I mean, I would think that uh, you're right. On the one hand, that it's wonderful in the sense that um, that you know what's happening and such. But on the other hand, um, you know, it, I can imagine that some of that training would make you go, "Oh my gosh, did we think about this? Did we think about that?" And yes. I know that when I when I had my daughter, my my father-in-law was in the room, and he's an OBGYN himself, and so he's oh. watching all the all the charts and the meters and the, and the, the equipment and you know, want to intervene and ask about this and, you know, freaking out over things. And I didn't know about any of that stuff, thank goodness, but he did and was worried for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, the good thing I wasn't, I never did, I, I never wanted to do oncology because um, ner- um, oncology and cancer just scared me, you know, in, in nursing school. So, I ended up having to deal with it anyway, you know, on, on the sidelines, I, I dealt with that uh, Dealing with my mom and dad. So, oh, and, and by the way, my dad had cancer too. So I, I bring up my dad sometimes when it comes to cancer because he, he and my mom both had it at the same time. But oh my gosh, I don't yeah. think I understood that. What that, what kind of cancer did, you, did your father he, deal he with? He had he had bladder. He had bladder cancer. He he died first, and then my mom died within uh, sixteen months later. Oh my gosh, yeah. Marla! Yeah. Oh my word! Yeah. <gasps> So I, I definitely got thrown into the the oncology uh, unit of uh, of family. You know that was pretty intense, but it was okay. You got the one-two punch, is what it you got. Sure did, yes, yeah, sure did. But it well, all worked out. All the more reason that I'm really curious as to how you develop the message that I know that you're really trying to convey to to your readers and and even people that are listening to the show, which is really around hope and gratitude. So you told me that you you said that that's what you learned in this process of letting go of your mom, um, and I would I would guess probably your dad too. So tell mm-hmm. us more about that. How did that come to be? Well, um, growing up, my mother would always be telling us, "Be grateful." Uh, 
say your thank yous. It was really good on Mainers, always just really keeping focused on the good. And so during her cancer journey, when things would get a little bit uh, rocky, we would get into that gratitude mode to keep us grounded. So we'd start keeping a gratitude journal, and it'd be like, oh, great, you know, our, our appointment went quick today, and we'd write that down, you know, or, or the, the parking meter, you know, somebody paid for our parking, and always trying to find the good in everything that we did and everything that we shared and experienced. So that's what we did. That's what I did as my mom was getting ready to pass is thanking her as she was passing away. I would thank her for all that she did. And that just kind of helped because I was doing something that she taught me to do all along. And it wasn't until she passed away that I realized I didn't have anything to be grateful for anymore because my mom's gone. I'm, I'm not very happy about that. So there was a time where I didn't feel grateful and I didn't want to thank God for anything. And it wasn't until, I mean, maybe six months to a year where I, was, I woke up one morning and I said, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm not crying. Well, thank God I'm, I'm not crying today. And then I, here comes the thank yous again. It started revving up. The things that I've been taught all my life, be grateful, be grateful, I started doing that. And when I started becoming grateful, the grieving process changed all over again in a good way. Um, I wasn't as um, in a funk as much anymore being able to see the good and then once I was able to see the good in what I was experiencing, I went back and saw the good that what, what my mom and I went through. Oh, wow, you know, thank you, God, that mom didn't have this after all, and thank you for this. And everything just built on each other. So that's how we got through it. Always, always being thankful. Always being thankful. Always grounded us. Bottom line. Even if we went astray, we'd get right back on. You know what I like about that, Marla. What this the way this is landing for me is that I what I hear is it's the lens that you allowed yourself to experience the situation through. So rather than being mad and angry at your loss and maybe you know upset with God that He took your beautiful mother away from you, you chose to cast your vision, your lens as what to what looking for things to be grateful for. And what I think is great about that is that for our listening audience is that the power of your own mind to be able, you have the ability to control so much of how you experience life and your emotions and your connection just by reframing your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. so I think going, right, so going from being mad and upset and unhappy that you've lost her to being grateful for what she taught you, her presence in your life and what you did have with her seems like it's made all the difference for you. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely, no doubt about that at all. And, and, I, would, and I even would come home and, and, and share things with my, with my kids. Yeah, remember when Mimi used to do this? Isn't this great? Oh, my gosh, that was so cool. And trying to relive the good, and that just really did put us at a different level, put me at a different level of grief. So, yeah, gratitude is, is the remedy for a lot of, a lot of um, grief issues, you know? Mm-hmm. No doubt for me. I, it, I, I read somewhere when I was going through some of my own grieving processes around various parts of my life that, um, and I don't know if you've got a perspective on this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, is that when, we, when we're dealing with the pain of grief, that rather than trying to resist it, which might be, you know, get rid of it or be mad at it or whatever, um, that we lean into it. And then when mm-hmm. we lean into it, that it, some of the power of that pain goes away. Do you Most have a definitely. perspective on that? Okay. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. I, I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm a crier. I can I can cry very easily, and I I would I would I would take frequent showers just so my kids wouldn't have to see me crying. I'd I'd go in the shower and 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 just 
boo-hoo, and, and, and one of my kids at the time, they were so little, he says, Mom, um, why do you keep taking showers? And I said, oh, I'm just, I just feel better. And, and, well, why are your eyes so red? I said, oh, it's the shampoo. And he says, well, why don't you try using uh, Johnson's, Johnson's Baby and ba- baby, baby Shampoo, Johnson's and Johnson's, you know, the ones that don't have any tears, the ones that doesn't make any tears. And I was like, oh, you know, and, you know, here he was trying to help me, you know, not be all red eyed, but it had nothing to do with the with the shampoo. It was all my tears, and so it was definitely definitely hard to um, to come out of that. But it did work. It did, it did help. I allowed myself to just be who I was and how I grieved. Every every one of my family grieved differently, and we just had to respect that. You know, so I was the crier, and that's how I I just used them as liquid prayers. Really, that's what it was like for me. Liquid prayers, just cried out. You know. Mm. I didn't have any words to say, so I just cried. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that helped. So incredibly powerful, Marla. And I so appreciate you being just so real with us in this conversation. That's what I was wanting from you. That's what I, what I know our listeners were wanting from you. So thank you for that. And here we go. On to our next break already. Time flies. All right. Great. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Marla Lackey, who has been trained and working as a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department of a hospital in San Antonio. She's now working to develop her writing offerings to help others in the grieving process themselves. We've been talking a bit about how she helped her mother leave this world and some of the experiences that she got from that, what she learned from that. After the break, I want to hear more about some of her actual writing. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
Again, that's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Marla Lackey, who has been trained and working as a registered nurse in the Labor and Delivery Department of a Hospital in San Antonio. She is a contributing author to Heart, Mind, Wisdom, Inspirational Anthology, Volume Number 4, and is currently working on writing a book and a blog titled Faith in a Tube of Lipstick. Love the title, Marla. Fantastic. Thank you. She joins us, she joins us today from San Antonio, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about some of her experiences and what she learned from losing her mother, the gratitude, the hope, etc. Um, from here, Marla, I really am very intrigued. One of the things we talked about on the phone when we were talking about this interview was you told me that as a labor and delivery nurse that you deal with life on the same level as hospice care does. I think that's really interesting. So the beginning and end of life, there's some kind of a continuum along the spectrum there that you've connected. Tell us more about that. Well, if you think about it, as a labor and delivery nurse, you know, we, I, we tell these patients, you know, push. You know, we're bringing souls into the world. We're telling these mamas to push. Come on, bring it on. Come on, push, push, hard, hard, you know, doing all that to bring that in. And we're on sacred ground when we're amongst a new soul coming into this world. And it's the same thing. We're on holy ground, sacred ground, when we are in the midst of the dying, where we're telling them to go ahead and go. So we're really, it's the same thing. We're just midwifing them to the next life. There's such a, you know, there's just that connection, that, that, that similarity. And so that is, to me, a very, very spiritual um, teaching that I, that I received and that discovered is that, my goodness, to be able to do both, to, you know, in my lifetime to be able to see souls come in and then see beautiful souls that raised me and loved me to, to, to you know, help them into the next life. I mean, that's just such an honor and such a huge, huge blessing that, um, you know, and, and, and another thing is like, you know, for, to tell a patient, give them pain medication, for instance, if they want an epidural or they want something for pain, we did the same thing for a person in hospice or for like for my mom and dad. You know, you give them morphine. You give them anything that you can to help them ease the pain. It's like the hospice part is like labor, the contractions. You know, it's painful. You're watching them get ready to, you know, transition into the next life, just like a laboring patient. And then, boom, you have this baby and there's new life. The same thing with a with with dying. They go. They enter into a new life. You know, we tell a patient's family, show them how to help support the patient. You know, hold their leg up here. You know, give them ice chips. Do this. We do, you know, hospice, you know, with my parents and my mom, same thing. You know, we're teaching each other, my brother, sister, and all the caregivers. We're all, like, trying to coach and help and reassure, you know, the dying, my mom. And so it's very, very similar, very similar. And um, very, very special to make that connection. It's just really putting things in perspective for me. Yes. Yeah, precious. I would be curious if there's any philosophers listening on the line. I'd love to hear their perspective on that, that connection. It seems incredibly profound to me mm-hmm. listening to you talk about it and just trying to get my head around it. I obviously don't have your experience bringing souls into the into the onto the planet, except just one, that being my mm-hmm. daughter. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah. Um, Oh, it's just yummy, yummy stuff. So that was one of the things when we first spoke that I was like, oh, we have to talk about that in the yeah. show. That is that is profound. So thank you. Very much, yes. 
The next thing I wanted to talk about that I'm also very curious about and did experience something similar with my d- beloved grandmother who departed 18 years ago, you've talked a little bit, you mentioned this a little bit already, but you've already mentioned that your connection with your mom has changed since your passing, mm-hmm. since she passed, I should say. And she hasn't, you've said that she hasn't really left you per se, but she's just gone from a physical to a spiritual connection and you're learning a new language to stay connected with her is what you've told me. I right. think our listeners would love to hear about that. I think several of them would like to understand how they might be able to perhaps join that realm. Okay. Well, I I think I used to think that when, you know, when my mom had passed, it was, you know, yeah, she, she's she's in heaven and um that's where she is. I know where she's at, but the bond had was felt broken. I just thought this is it. You know, I know she I know where she's at, but I, am I going to really feel her? Am I going to connect with her? And then as the hope and the gratitude started showing up, it's like the, the murkiness, that grief that I was feeling started, the murkiness started, you know, getting thinner and, and easier to see things. So with that, then I started feeling connections with my mom. I started smelling her, her body scent out of the blue. I'd be in the store, especially HEB, which is a, a local uh, grocery store nearby. We used to always go shopping when growing up and, and, I would smell, get whiffs of her scent, and she's not even there. And I'm like, why? Gosh, that smells like mom. Not her perfume, but her scent. Um, she loved redbirds, and she always thought redbirds reminded her of her parents when, after they passed. Redbirds were flying all over me around. Uh, you know, when, when I'd take a walk, they'd just be flying and, you know, on the porch and just everywhere I would see redbirds, constant reminders of her. But the thing that really um, turned me around was having dreams. Not just dreams where she's just in the background and they're like, oh, I jumped at my mom. She was, she was on the side, you know, sitting in the chair. No, the, the type of dreams where she's talking with you, visiting, where you wake up and you feel that was them. You know, uh, I heard every word. They look so vibrant, you, you know, vivid, everything. You, you can just recall everything, and you wake up feeling as if you actually did talk to them. That's, that was the turning point for me, uh, feeling that connection to my mom. And the more I felt like that, the more hope I, get, I got, and I was able to... Um, grieve in a much lighter note, and I felt that bond right back up. It just, you know how when people say whenever they lose a loved one, oh, somebody chopped off my arm, I, you know, I don't feel any, you know, any, any more of my arm or my leg. Well, my whole side of my body felt like totally chipped off, you know, mm-hmm. along with the pieces of my heart. And as I was getting all these spiritual nudges and signs from my mom, I didn't feel those, those phantom pains anymore. I, I, I actually did feel my arm come back a little bit. I could use my leg. I could, you know, it's like it filled the void and, and, uh, of my heart, and it just made my, you know, made me move again. And it was just that my mom's way of, con- of, of encouraging and connecting me and, and still continuing to mother me. And God, God allows that because he loves you so much that he's saying, you know what, you, you know, I, I made you her mother and you're her daughter. I'm going to help you guys keep that connection. So he helps orchestrate these beautiful scenarios so that we can still stay connected, you know. So not only do I thank mom, hey, mom, thanks, you know. I thank God. Every time I finish getting a dream or something, I thank you, God. Thank you. You know, so for, for those people who sit there and tell me, oh, I haven't, I haven't had a dream yet, or I haven't felt them yet, or I always say, yet. The key word is yet. You will. You will. But sometimes the grief is so thick, it's hard for, you know, to see things because we, we have to use our senses when it's spiritual. We, you know, it's, it's not physical anymore. So when you use your senses, you have to kind of um, stay focused and, and just be open. That's really a very, very key thing is to stay open. And when I did, boom, there was my mama. 
And, Uh, you know, the senses are different, right? I mean, we don't mm -hmm. use them in our normal everyday life. It seems like we have to, as you say, to be open to allow these senses to develop. Is that right? Right, right. It's like a a muscle, you know, same thing, emotional muscle. You know, the more you use it, the more you can see, you know, feel the the benefits of it. So, yes, most definitely. You can definitely feel changes come on when you're more open. If you're close-minded, if you're like, nope, nope, that can't be it, nope, nope, and, oh, it's coincidence, that's coincidence, and constantly dismissing it, well, then you're not going to feel it. But... My mom stills my mother's still mothering me, which you know I just am so grateful for that. So, is have we gotten to the part here where this is the stuff that you really want to pass on to your readers? You want to make sure they understand the idea that there is, there's hope, there's gratitude, but then you're ushering on this possibility of this ongoing connection. Is that what you're what you're wanting to pass on to readers, or is, yes. is there something else? Okay. Well, yes, most definitely is to not give up hope and and to see, oh, it's all gone, it's it's done. One of the things I have to share is that when I would tell my brother and sisters and, and my sister the stories of, hey, I got a dream from mom, and I talked to mom, and I, and I prayed, and I, and I was telling her this, 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 and my sister says, why don't you leave mom alone? You know, <laughs> let, let her rest in peace, you brat. You know, because I was, I was considered a brat sometimes growing up. I was always around and just kind of meddling in things and talk, 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 talk. And I remember my, my sister told me that. I said, no, I was a mama's girl then, and I'm still a mama's girl now. I'm still going to talk. I'm still going to talk and, and, and ask questions and be who I am. And sure enough, when I did that, there was my mother. You know, I continued to, you know, be the... Mama's girl that I was born to be. And there was my mom. She never left. And so those mm-hmm. were ways that she validated me and in the way that I would talk to her and express myself. I think that the, our listeners must just be eating this up right about now because I bet several of them are nodding their heads vigorously and like, yes, I know what that's like. And others are like, I'm waiting and looking forward to that experience. I think I told you that I had a similar experience with my 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 uh, grandmother who I love so very, very much. And when she left, she still showed up, kind of like what you're talking about with the red birds in various ways in my life too, that gave me reassurance that she was still with me just in a different way. So right. I, I do know what you're talking about. And it was it's still amazing. She's been gone for 18 years now. And she still shows up here and there at different times. And it's amazing for me. So I can isn't totally that, know what you're cool? talking about. Isn't that cool that she shows up? They, they show up right at the right time. You know, what, it, it, it could be an anniversary um, of their passing, a birth, a birthday, or even if you're having a, a rough time. And you just... You get those reminders every once in a while that just keeps you moving forward. It keeps you keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And enriches my life. I mean, she still enriches my life. She still makes me smile. She still makes yes. me laugh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we only have just a few minutes left here, and I want to get to, like when I say a few minutes, I mean like three minutes maybe. I want to get to this blog and book you're working on here because that's your next big push, and I don't know if that's something that you want to do as you know, you're going to develop this as sort of an offering and see where it takes you. But for our reader or listeners who don't know much about this new venture of yours, what are you trying to do with this book and blog? Well, I am trying to get the, uh, well, first I'm in uh, Heart, Mind, Wisdom. I have a chapter out for, for that, and that is uh, little uh, sections and chapters of inspirational stories of um, just uh, the same thing, grief and bouncing back and, and inspiration and comfort and hope. And now, after that 
book is out, I'm going to be working on my regular book, which is going to be doing the same thing. It's just offering the scenarios and, and experiences that will help others feel, feel validated, you know, feel inspired. And so that's what I really want to do is to just continue on to keep reaching to more, to bigger audience, to just keep them inspired and to give them hope. And for your blog, are you wanting to invite a dialogue? Do you want your readers to join you and, and sure. tell you about their... Okay, so yeah, let, yes. let's real quick, we'll make sure we'll, t- we'll say this again, but I know that your blog, which is going to be launching here right after we get off the show, this show was a, a way for you to help kind of nurture and push this thing along, but they can find your blog at faithandlipstick.com, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. That's important. I, I really want to invite the, the, the listeners to join us in this conversation. So this will be live here shortly after the show. So um, it sounds like Marla is really looking to invite listeners to be able to join the dialogue and share your experiences, your perspectives. Um, she's You're looking to build a community, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, and that's one of the things that, I, again, I really applaud what you're trying to do. And certainly as a meaning and work researcher who is interested in helping people more meaningfully connect with their work, I certainly see that's what you're doing. You've you found a way to connect your current profession with something that maybe is evolving. And who knows where this writing thing is going to go, right? Right. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open to wherever God takes me with this. So, oh. I think it's wonderful, Marla. And I, I can tell you that for me, this 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 conversation has been very reminiscent for me of some of the, the wonderful people in my life that I've said goodbye to and who are still part of my world. So I really appreciate you being so real with us and just really letting us into your space and helping us understand just how important your mother has been to you and how she's informed your new perspective. Thank you so much for all of Thank that you. gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, an, it was such a blessing to be part of your show. Thank you. And we do have to give a shout out to our, our common and uh, lovely friend Martha Barnes in, in San Antonio. Woohoo, Martha Barnes! Yay, Martha! Yes, she's the one that connected us, and um, I'm really, really happy that when we reached out and you told me what you were doing, I said, "I think you need to be on the radio show and share this." So, thank you again, Marla, for taking the time and sharing your story. Thank you. So again, if you want to learn more about Marla Lackey and her blog, please go to faithandlipstick.com. Um, she has really helped us understand a bit about the grieving process and how to develop really a grateful and hopeful perspective on the process. Really great subject matter expert in this and really a positive model about about remaining positive. So thanks for your contribution. And listeners, you know how I feel about this. Um, I, I look forward to seeing you next week on the show. Work is at least one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. See you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.